guys? Well, we are. Uh, we last week we started a, a new focus called we're calling following season, and uh, we talked about how there's all kinds of different seasons, obviously, and in, in life, and uh, you know there's winter, spring, summer, and there's second summer right now because it's 182 degrees outside right now. Um, in September, and supposed to be 100 the next two days. Hopefully, by the end of the week, we get a little bit of exhale. Um, the rain was good, though, right? The rain was good. Amen. The, the cracks are only this big in our yard now, and um, we can let our dog out without fear of it falling in anymore. So, <clears throat> uh, this this series is it's this the idea that there's there's this time between. When we belong, a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about belonging and believing and behaving and becoming more and more like Jesus and what it looks like to live our lives that way. And, and every day we're taking steps towards um, a, something new in Christ. And we call that a following season. And we, we call it that because Jesus, his invitation was to follow him. And he, that's how he called his disciples. He said, just follow me. He didn't say, believe in me right now, and then we'll get everything set up. He just said, follow me. And he sets the example for them, and he shows them how to live, and he shows them what to do, and uh, how to talk, and how to act, and how to treat others. And he gives them these commands, and he, he tells them to love one another, and he, he shows them exactly how to, to live that out. And so when we launch this, uh, we're, we're going to explore this time between now and, and taking the next step of faith that's in your journey. And it's personal, right? It's, it's something that each of us uh, experience in a different way because we all come from different backgrounds, okay? We all come from, uh, we all experience life in, in different ways. We've all had different pasts. We've, uh, we've all experienced life differently. Um, we all have a different lens that we look at things through. And um, we all express our faith in different ways. So taking the next step of faith for me might look different than it will for somebody who's you know, 18 years old or 22 years old or wherever you're at in your walk of life. And so that's what our following season is. We're all in one. And um, this following season that we're exploring um, today, uh, it starts with a promise from God. We, so we kind of kicked things off last week. And uh, the primary story of God's people in the Old Testament, it began with following, right? It began with Abraham. Abraham, he follows. God speaks to Abraham. He says, I want you to get up and go. And what does Abraham do? Gets up and goes. He follows God to a place that I will show you. That's what he said. And that's where he went. And then Abraham leaves. And, and then his son, Isaac. Isaac follows God and does what God asked him to do. And um, the story just continues through the life of Isaac's son, Jacob who um, we talked a little bit about last week, and, and how God's people, Jacob's son, uh, Jacob's son Joseph, um, they got his people to Egypt. And uh, that's where we're at today. We're in Egypt where everybody is kind of a slave now. And Joseph ends and he saves his family from the famine in the land that was going on at the time because God was with him. Even though his brothers sold him, 
Okay, anybody, brother and sister, ever sold you? No, nobody's ever sold. That's bad stuff, right? You know, and they wanted to kill him. They just sold him instead. So they, um, Joseph had this journey through life, and he ends up interpreting Pharaoh's dream, becomes second in command of all of Egypt. He saves all of Egypt from the famine that they were in, along with his family. And all of Jacob's family, all 70 of them, come down to Egypt, and Joseph saved them because of God's plan. If you were at Church of the Park, we talked about God's always working, and God always has a plan. And so um, he's, he's constantly in the middle of, of his people's lives. And Joseph dies, um, and God raises up a new leader after about 175 years uh, after Joseph, and his name is Moses. God raises up this new leader for the Israelites to follow. And the Israelites didn't know that at the time. Moses didn't know it at the time. But that brings us to the center point of what we're talking about today. One of the most unlikely leaders, at least in his mind, um, of all of Scripture, Moses. Okay, And we'll get to that part in just a minute. We also talked about the three things that we do... When we follow, the three things that we do when we follow, we learn. Okay, if we, and we talked about how Jesus' disciples, they, they learned from him when they were following. They grow, we grow in him. And then we surrender because we, we realize when we're learning and we're growing, oh, we don't need that. That's a little bit too much of me in the middle of where Christ wants to be. So I have to give that up. I have to surrender. Those things. In our following season of our lives, as we draw closer to God, um, these are the things that help us in taking that next step of faith, the way that we learn and grow in the things that we surrender to Him. So today, as we look at the life of Moses, we see us, um, his following season and what it looked like for him to learn and grow and surrender. And uh, so, Moses, Moses' life. It started off a little crazy, okay? Uh, his, his life was, he was born in the middle of turmoil. Um, he was a Hebrew boy where baby boys were being killed by order of the Pharaoh because the Pharaoh did not want the Israelite nation to continue to grow, and they were being fruitful and multiplying. And every time they, they got oppressed, the more oppressed they were, the more they multiplied, it seemed. And they got bigger and bigger. So the Pharaoh just said, all right, we're just killing all the boys. We're just going to kill all the baby boys. And so, so Moses was born in the middle of that. But because God is always working, and because God always has a plan, and he's always using people, others, to, to live that plan out, um, we enter these two very un, uh, uh, you know, unsung heroes of Scripture, these two midwives. Their names are Shifra and Pua, okay? And if you ever have two little dogs, that's who you should name them, Shifra and Pua, right? Because just, that just reminds me of two little puppy dogs, you know. But Shifra and Pua, they were, or they were midwives, um, and they were, uh, by order of the Pharaoh, to kill all of the boys, that they help deliver. And um, if it was a girl, let it live. That's fine. Let the baby girls live. The baby boys were to be killed. But these women, they feared God. And God spoke to them. And God led them and they followed him. They did not kill the boys. 
they they were called and 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 they were called out for it. Pharaoh came to them and uh, and said, "Hey, listen, what's going on? These uh, these Israelites are still growing in number, and they're still um, boys being born." And they, they had to make excuses for it. And in uh, Exodus chapter 1, verse 19, um, they kind of throw the, the, the Egyptian ladies under the bus. And they say, listen, the midwives answered Pharaoh when they were called. And the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're vigorous. And they give birth before the midwives arrive. Right? They give birth and they just go back to work. All right? The Israelite ladies, they were, they were stout. Okay? So they, they protected Shifra and Pua protected the baby boys that they could of the Israelite nation. And because of these women's faithfulness to God, two things happened, okay? Two things happened. One, Moses was born, okay? Moses had the ability to be born because um, they didn't kill him. He was a boy and he, didn't, he was protected because of their wisdom and because they followed Jesus or they followed God's uh, lead. And two... The scripture says that the, the women were rewarded with their own families. Now, that was a big deal because chances are, because they were midwives at this time, they didn't have the ability or the capability to have kids of their own. That's why they were, had that job. And, and because of that, because of their faithfulness, God looked on that and their obedience. Shifra and Pua were blessed with families of their own. God rewards those who, um, who follow him and surrender to him. So before the age of one, Moses' life had been filled with unrest and anxiety uh, for fear of his life. But God protects him. Now, the story of Moses is filled with little kid um, stories, right? Growing up in Sunday school, Moses is full. There's stories of Moses all over the place, all the way through his life. And so these are very familiar times if you've been a part of any Sunday school or church uh, at any point in your life, they would, that would kind of ring a bell. And so what happened is God protects him. His mother, Jochebed, Moses' mother, places him in a basket into the Nile River. And, and, his, and it's the very river that Pharaoh ordered all the baby boys to be thrown in to be killed. And that's where God had his mom place Moses. And God even used that river to protect him. And there's this familiar story. The baby Moses floats down the Nile River in a basket. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him and uh, claims him as her own. And out pops Miriam, you know, who's spying on the basket and, and Moses' sister and says, hey, do you want a nanny? You need a nanny for the baby? I got just the person in mind if you need somebody. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. So Moses' mom ends up being his mom, his nanny, and takes care of Moses because God is amazing. And everything has a purpose. And so Moses ends up growing up in Pharaoh's palace, and he's educated, and he's treated like one of their own, even though he's not, and he knows that. He knows he's different, but that's not the way he's treated. And then he gets a little older, and life moves on, and, and turmoil in Moses' life amps up a little bit, and rightfully so, because Moses killed a guy. If you killed a guy, Things in your life, turmoil in your life would amp up a little bit too, right? 
But Moses sees an Egyptian beating another Israelite slave, and he kills him. He buries him in the sand, and he looks around, and he's like, oh, nobody saw that. Nobody is here. Awesome. Okay, we're good. We're safe. Nothing's going to happen. And the next day, the very next day, that's what Scripture says, Moses calls out another Israelite, one of his own people, okay, for hitting another Israelite. And, and the guy says to him, what are you going to do? Kill me like you did the Egyptian? And all the blood runs out of Moses' face. And he knows everybody is going to know, including Pharaoh. And Pharaoh finds out. And Pharaoh tries to take Moses' life. He's mad because this Hebrew, I don't know what Pharaoh thought would happen, but this Hebrew at, at, at the core of who he was killed an Egyptian. The guy who, the, the, the very people who took care of Moses his entire life so far. So what does Moses do? Does he stand up and take, take the consequences? No. He ran. He runs off. He's failed. He failed. His, his life is now filled with regret because of something that he had done. He's scared because of something that he had done. There's consequences for the things that he had done because all of the actions that we have, they all have consequences, don't they? And he runs away. He runs away from Pharaoh because Pharaoh's trying to kill him. And he thinks he's running away from God too, right? But that really isn't possible. He gets all the way to Midian. Okay, so think about, it's, it's a, a hike from Egypt to Midian, all the way across the Sinai Peninsula. It's about, it's about 5,005 to 5,500 miles. It's a, it's a haul. It took a while for him to get away. You think about all that time that it took to get away from where his past was. And all the time he had to reflect on what was going on. The first 40 years of his life started with turmoil, right? Started in a mess. Started with all kinds of, of uh, you know, dodging death. Then it was pretty cushy, right? Uh, growing up in a palace. And then he kills a guy. And then we have the running time. So basically, for 40 years... In the wilderness, he's running from God and from Pharaoh, and he's hiding, and he's in this following season, and he's learning, and he's growing, and he's surrendering. Now, the surrendering part, that comes really towards the end of the, the second 40 years of his life. Moses' life really is split into three 40-year uh, chunks. And uh, we're kind of in the middle of that. And God gets Moses' attention eventually. So he's lived 40 years out in the wilderness. And he, he goes to work for, um, for a, a guy. And he gets married, starts a family, and he becomes a, a, a sheep herder. Okay? Um, and God gets his attention. And that's where Moses' following season begins to take shape, where he, uh, God speaks to Moses, 
and gets his attention through a burning bush. And we read this in Exodus chapter 3, and this is very familiar um, to, to many, but we're going to read it. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, and this is how Moses, who wrote this, um, remembered it. God, now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and to the, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from the, within a bush. Moses saw, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? So, quick aside. When Moses said that last thing in verse 3, I will go over and see this strange sight. He's by himself with a bunch of sheep. Does he say it out loud? Is he talking to himself? How many? Raise your hand if you talk to yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. All the time, especially in the car. You know, um, and, um, just, and this has nothing to do with anything. God checked me today in my character and my integrity as I said at the nemesis stoplight down here of my own, that uh, it's red, and nobody's coming, and I look in the rear view mirror, and I could have gone, but Mark Robertson's sitting right behind me, <laughs> so I didn't. So, see how God uses people in your life? <laughs> so, um, the detail in these first three verses about how God gets Moses' attention, attention, it foreshadows Moses' future. Mount Horeb. It said that he, he took the sheep all the way across the wilderness to the mountain of God. Well, at that time, was it the mountain of God? Well, God created the mountain, but Moses is writing this well after the fact. It was the mountain of God because that's where the law was given to Moses. Mount Sinai, right? Mount Horeb and Sinai, same thing. That's where Moses receives the Ten Commandments, right? And, and it tells us a couple of things about Moses in his following season while he's in Midian, okay? He's tending his sheep in this area, in this wilderness-type place where, where he's also getting ready to spend the next years of his life following a pillar of fire and a cloud by and a cloud around leading the nation of Israel. So he's getting the lay of the land, right? Almost like he'd be leading this bunch of people around and he needs to know if I go over here, there's probably going to be some water. If I go over here, this is where um, the flocks can get some grass. This is, I know this place like the back of my hand now. And this is how God is preparing him. He's learning. He's growing. Not necessarily in the way that we might think our, our relationship with God might be. But those, those, um, those very uh, just surface type details are important. For our lives. And it was important for Moses. It's why he was the leader he was when he was taking the nation of Israel around. Because he already knew that place. And God, he was able to think along with God. Wherever God was leading the nation of Israel. And Moses was like, oh, I know where we're going. We're going here because this is where we were when I had, you know, I had uh, Jethro's sheep. And that one time when we had. So he knows the lay of the land. 
And the other thing we learned is Moses is the master of the obvious, right? Oh, there's a bush. It's on fire. And it's not burning up. I should probably go look at that. Look, look, at, look at it, you know. I should go check that out. Well, duh, right? So God talks to Moses. And they ha- God and Moses, they have this conversation, okay? And uh, we'll talk a little bit more um, about the end of their conversation uh, next week. But um, this conversation that Moses and God have, it doesn't go quite the way maybe a physical conversation with the creator of the world might go in our minds, right? Because if God were just to come um, and sit in the car with you while you're talking to yourself uh, and, and talk to you audibly, first of all, you'd have, after you faint, you would be, yes, sir, God, yes, God, absolutely, God. You, you would be very respectful, wouldn't you? Your, your tone and your attitude would be incredibly reverent. I guarantee it. Now, when we pray, that's the way we are. When we pray, we have a, a tone, and we have a rhythm that we all pray in, and they're all correct because that's the way we communicate with God. It's the same way that we all have, uh, you know, uh, different parts of the country have a different accent, right? We, we talk differently. Some people talk super fast. Some people talk really slow. Some people talk without, you know, that's the way we communicate. It's the same way that God and Moses were visiting. Moses is full of questions for God because he does not recognize his value in God's plan. God comes to Moses. He knew that Moses was the only sheep herder out there in the wilderness. He could have set a hundred other bushes on fire. That was the one he wanted to, to light up. Because he knows that Moses does not understand. He doesn't recognize his value in God's plan. Because Moses really thinks, I'm just a shepherd now. I had a life. I had a life way back then. And nobody that I know, these sheep don't care about that life back then. They don't care that I killed a person. They don't care what I'm running from. It doesn't matter. And Moses was right, you know. Um, and he, he's, he is a shepherd. He's just kind of leading the wrong things around right now. He's leading sheep where God is, wants to use him to lead people for the rest of his life. God had more purpose for Moses than Moses realized he had purpose in his life. Do you ever question your value in God's plan? It's there. It's easy to do. But God has purpose for you. It's why you're here. And Moses doesn't recognize that he has more to offer to God than just leading sheep. That there's more to his life than just what he does for a living. Than just the relationships that he has with his family and the little community of people that he lives with, right? God, he doesn't realize that God he has way more to offer because that's what God made him for. He felt completely inadequate. There's a name for that now because, there, of course, there is. There's always a name for things now. And this, this, this feeling of inadequacy, of not being good enough, not feeling qualified or equipped, 
um, not being able to do the job that you're doing, that you're in right now. It's called imposter syndrome, okay? Um, and there's all kinds of branches and pieces of that, but it, there, it happens to leaders a lot, and this is the first case of it in Scripture right here. Moses God puts him in a, he's already injecting him into a leadership position, and Moses is like, whoa, 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 God, I'm not your guy, okay? And, and so he doesn't feel like he's good enough, or he's qualified to do what God's asking him to do. And listen, you might feel that way. I feel that way a lot in the job that I do as a pastor, as a parent, as a, as a husband, right? All the things that God has called me to be, there's times when I feel like, I can't do that, God. I'm not good enough. I'm, I, I'm not qualified to do that. But all those things that he's called me to be, um, I, that I cannot do on my own unless God is present in my life. And that's the point, that's the we learn and we grow and then we surrender. It's the getting rid of our own self so God can do in our lives what he wants to do. And God recognizes that you have so much to offer to his kingdom too, just like he did for Moses. And he takes this conversation with God through a burning bush for Moses to understand the very, that very thing. That eventually Moses' following season came to the point of surrender. And he says yes to God. And, and it's almost like God convinced him to do it. But Moses surrenders. And at a time where Moses decided to be, uh, that, that he would be used by God for great things. And be used by God for what God intended him to be. Now, this person that we're talking about, Moses, he lives his first 40 years of his life as an adopted child of Pharaoh, right? He, and he lives apart from his real family. That might be something that you deal with, right? He commits murder, which at the time was not one of the Ten Commandments, was it? When, when Moses committed murder back in Egypt, it was not one of the Ten Commandments. But it was wrong because he knew it was wrong. Now, later on, it was set in stone, literally, right? So um, he runs away from his problems. That's what Moses, that's how he deals with it. Have you ever done that? And understandably, right, Pharaoh tried to kill him. He needed to flee in order to survive. We get that. But he spends the next 40 years living in regret of what he did and how God could use him because he failed God. He failed his family. He failed both of his families, his real family and the family that he grew up with. He failed his people, the Israelite people. And he continues to live his life in Midian, apart and running away from what he did. And God is preparing him to be used for his purpose. And you might be thinking, well, how in the world can God use a person like that? How can God use that type of person? An imperfect person, a flawed human with a scarred past, 
a man that lived with years of regret because of something that he did. And God calls him, right? God calls him to lead his people out of centuries of slavery and oppression and into what he's called them to be, what he had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, what he had called them his people to do centuries before. God used that kind of person, and here's why. Because there aren't any other kind, right? So maybe you've never committed murder, but I have a feeling there are many things in Moses' life that you can relate to. Have you ever failed someone? Have you ever let some people down before? Have you, do you have regret because of something that you did? Do you have regrets because of something that you said? Maybe an hour and a half ago. I don't know. Right? Do you ever feel inadequate spiritually? Do you, is it because of the life that you've lived in your past, right, the things that you've done, if you're in the middle of all that, then you're in good company, all right, because we all are. We're all living right there because we all have done something that we regret. We've all said something that we regret. We all live with a past that we're not proud of. And like I said at the very beginning, that all looks different in everyone's life doesn't it? And it's, there's no scoreboard about how bad, you know, each sin is. You know, this sin doesn't get five points and this one only gets two, right? They're all sins and they all get one because they're all sins. And just like Moses, just like the person that God protected as a baby during this era of emphasize, and just like the person that God protected as a young man while he's on the run in the wilderness this whole 40 years, just like the person that God called through a burning bush to, to, into his chosen purpose, Moses wants to give God this list of offenses that he's done. Right, you know, uh, and all God wants to do is move forward into his plan. You see, God... God recognizes Moses' value in his plan. Despite all the negatives, God knows the negatives. Despite all those negatives, he wants to dwell on. And guess what? God recognizes your value in his plan too. Despite all the negatives that, might dwell, that you might dwell on, and God recognized that Moses had more to offer the kingdom of heaven than the sum of his past life, right? His acquired skills and his previous experience, all those things. God recognized that Moses had more to offer. And God recognizes that you have more to offer than the sum of your past failures and your past regrets and your past experiences, which is something that we all dwell on. It's what Satan does to just heap guilt on top of our hearts to keep us from seeing what God, God's purpose is in our life. But God doesn't do that. He's looking forward to his plan and how he can use you. Because 
the blood of his son Jesus Christ covered all of that. And all he's looking for, for is for us to, to learn and to grow and then surrender that to him. And as we're in our own following season, we have to understand that God's not dwelling on our failures. And he's not holding on to our regret from the past. And that, that, that those things that are keeping us from surrendering. God's seeking you for who you are. Someone that's made in his image. Someone that he sent his son Jesus to die for. Someone that wants to be used, that wants to use you for a greater purpose than we could ever imagine. And those things that, that, that we did in our past, they're a part of us, right? And nobody wants to sit, you know, and have, it, have our real lives replayed on a screen for everybody to see. Nobody wants that. So... We just need to continue to follow with our eyes on Jesus and learn and grow and surrender those things that are behind us so that we can be used for what God wants to use us for in his plan for the future, in the kingdom of heaven. Because he recognizes that you have more to offer than we feel like we do. Because you are more than adequate. He can use you, right? He has the ability to fill you with whatever you need, just like he did with Moses. Moses was inadequate. He couldn't speak well. He was timid. He, had all, he didn't have any of the traits that a leader would have. And then there was this guy that came to earth as a king that didn't have any of the traits that the world saw as a king. And then they ended up crucifying him. You see, the way the world thinks and the way that God thinks are two different things, right? So um, the things that we did in our past, that they're all part of you, but they do not define you in God's eyes, not even in the least. And I hope we understand that today. And next week, uh, we'll continue to look at Moses and his following season. And God calls Moses to go back to Egypt. And Moses asked God um, a very interesting question. He asked, he said, God, why don't you just send somebody else? Right? I don't know that we would all have the guts to do that, but Moses did. And so we look forward to sharing about that next week. So let's pray, and then uh, we will be on our way for the rest of our uh, a great, great week. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we love you today, and we're, we're so thankful that you see us for way more than we see ourselves sometimes. And we just ask, Father, that as we take stock and reflect on our past, regardless of the things that we've done, whether they're incredibly bad or they're just bad or whether they're incredibly good or anything in between, Father, we just ask that you will help us to continually seek you and help us to understand that you know we have purpose in your plan. That you recognize the greatness that's in us for your purpose. That we were created in your image. That you sent your son to die for us. That's how much you love us. That you sent your only son 
to be a sacrifice for my sins. And that we should value that. And to understand that that's how you value us. 